0: Well, welcome back to another episode of Bite-Sized Virtue. This is episode three of season four. And once again, I'm in the car because apparently that's just how I'm doing it this time around. I actually keep hoping it won't become a pattern, but so far it has been just, you know, trying to fit things into the schedule. And that is just where it fits into the schedule, these long commutes that I end up on. I'm actually um, commuting to... I'm commuting home from a different office today so the end result is that you know I may actually wind up having a uh, a less noisy recording as a result because there's a lot more start and stop when you're driving through a city than when you can take the ring road freeway around the city for sure so I wasn't really sure exactly how I was going to tie last week's and the week before actually the last two episodes to the virtue of honor. But I think I might be able to pull it off. We'll see. We'll see if I can pull it off by the time I get home. Maybe let's start with just a quick definition of the virtue of honor per Ultima. And that, of course, like Ultima uh, presents honor as the union of truth and courage. And in fact, the virtue tends to be defined as the courage to pursue truth at all costs. I may be paraphrasing that a little bit, that's basically how it works out. Now, um, that's not really, on the surface of it, that's not what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. What we have been talking about over the last couple of weeks is, was about stuff that, you know, we've done, stuff that I've done that I'm not proud of. I imagine that at least some of you listening to these episodes have probably had similar reflections. You know, just because th- we've all got stuff. We've all got the things we wish we hadn't done, the people we've hurt, the the actions we've undertaken that we shouldn't have and wish we had, wish we hadn't. And there's this I'm not going to read from it, obviously, because I'm driving, but I will put a link in the show notes. This is an absolutely beautiful reflection I found at, I want to say it was at the National Catholic Register by uh, a lady named Rebecca Hamilton, but it's this beautiful reflection called, uh, You Are Not the Worst Thing That You Have Ever Done. And that's not to say that, you know, we don't have, you know, again, it's not to say that none of us, you know, we don't we all have a past but we aren't our past you know we've all done things but we aren't those things we don't even necessarily have to be defined by those things if we don't want to be and i mean okay it's easy to say that so let's unpack that a little bit right i mean obviously if you've done something and you don't regret it or if you've done, if you've done something and you don't feel a, a conscious desire to either not have done it or to make amends for it, well then, you know, I guess you could argue that that is a thing that, you know, does, that is something that you've done that does more directly define you, right? Because it's something that you, if not entirely embrace, or at least, you know, very much at peace with, might even contemplate doing again. Um, now that can work well for things that are good. I mean, I, I, have been recording now podcasts for two years like oh my gosh two whole years and would I say I'm a podcaster absolutely podcasting is something I do that I definitely hold as being you know part of my identity at least for the time being you know see uh I would like to keep it going for for many many years to come but we'll see how long But equally, you know, that's, you know, that's something that I, I definitely do choose to define myself by. And by dint of making it a repeated action, it is something that I am based on what I do. But if it's, you know, what if it was something I've done that was wrong, you know, like, am I the worst thing that I've, am I the bad things that I've done? Well I guess if they're habitual, they're definitely more central to my identity. But I don't want them to be part of my identity if I strive to break the habitual wrongdoing and if I strive to make amends for it to the people whom I've wronged. Well that changes things. That that really genuinely starts to change things and I mean within Christianity of course and especially in the time of Lent we turn our thoughts towards uh, the ideas of redemption and penance and for good reason you know we're building up towards Easter which is of course you know the celebration of Christ's death and resurrection and his ultimate defeat of of sin and its power to hold captive the human soul The reason that we, you know, celebrate that, of course, that's how our redemption, that's how our salvation is ultimately effected, is by that sacrifice, that death and his subsequent resurrection. And we, we do celebrate that. But part of celebrating that is, you know, that understanding that as people who desire to participate in that, there's there's a requirement to turn away from, And you know, again, we use the term sin, but you're just to turn away from that wrongdoing, especially that habitual wrongdoing, to turn away from hurting others intentionally and strive to do the opposite, strive to build people up, strive to do what is right, strive to demonstrate virtue where before we would have demonstrated vice. And a big part of that is the act of repentance, a big part of that is the act of Acknowledging that one has done something that isn't good, that one is engaged in wrongdoing, whatever form that might take. And by way of that acknowledgement, then striving to be reconciled to God, for sure, and also to other people. Um, you know, how, do, how does the one teaching of Jesus go? if you come, you know, and I'll I'll paraphrase here a little bit, but you know, if you come to worship and realize that you have a grievance with your brother, then drop everything and run to him and settle the grievance and be reconciled before you come to worship. It's that idea that, you know, we can't participate fully in the life of Christ, in redemption and salvation, if We are at odds or bear ill will towards others. It's... You know, and so if we have harmed others by our actions or even by our omissions, the onus is really upon us to, to put away those those outstanding issues not simply by just you know ignoring them pushing them down saying they don't matter no quite the opposite by actively engaging in them in going to the people whom we've hurt and saying you know i did this and i realize that it hurt you and i apologize doing what it takes to be reconciled to that person now i mean granted you know there are reasonable limits to that Nobody is perfect. We are not perfect, nor is the other person. It may come to pass that you know we go to someone and we genuinely make a heartfelt apology for wrongdoing that we've committed, and attempt to reconcile with the other person. And the other person isn't going to have any of it, or is you know exceedingly demanding in terms of you know what they expect you to do. Um, by way of reconciliation, or to demonstrate, you know, reconciliation. And I mean, okay, people can be unreasonable, I get that. And exactly where that line is, I mean, you know, it, that's a hard discussion to have, probably well outside the scope of anything I could talk about as a as a layperson, but you know, it, it's this idea that... Um, if we've made the honest effort to be reconciled with another person, well then we are. And if they refuse that, well at some point that now becomes on them. That now becomes an issue that they have to deal with. That now becomes a wrong that they are visiting upon us. But we still have to, you know, be the one to reach out and say, hey, I've wronged you and I apologize and I wish to reconcile with you and see where that goes. And if they do choose the route of being unreasonable, if they do choose the route of, you know, refusing reconciliation or imposing undue um, requirements on us in order for them to consider us reconciled to them, Well, then, I guess the onus is on us to, you know, not perpetuate that cycle. Be just like, look, I have apologized. I've, I've made a good attempt to be reconciled to you. I wish that we could be. And I hope one day we can be. But, you know, for now, we'll just have to leave it at that. I don't know, I'm just kind of inventing <laughs> a response off the top of my head because you know what, that's actually a big problem for me too, I mean, when I've tried to apologize to people and they've been unreasonable, the temptation is, and again, you know, I, can you save this crooked soul, you know, like I genuinely struggle when people are unreasonable with me, I genuinely struggle not to be flippant right back. It's a lesson for me as well, I suppose. And that's half of, you know, that's half of the reason I do some of these bite-sized virtue episodes is just as much talking to myself and trying to tell myself how I'm, you know, trying to remind myself, hey, you know, this is the way it's supposed to be done. This is the way you're supposed to approach these things when they happen, not that other way that you're so often tempted to do. So how can we, how does this pertain to honor? Well, I guess, you know, You know what is honor, right? It's the pursuit of truth, the courage to pursue truth at all costs. Well, what is the truth in this case, right? The truth is, I've hurt someone. I've, I've wronged someone. And in having done so, I really am, I have an obligation to them to make right what I have done somehow, right, by some means. I guess we could say then that, you know, the honorable thing to do in that situation is to seek to be reconciled with that person, to to approach them and Acknowledge the wrongdoing and seek forgiveness for it. And equally, you know, their response, if grounded in this idea of honor, is going to take what we say, acknowledge, you know, acknowledge genuinely the fault and then acknowledge our repentance for it and ultimately culminate in the offering of forgiveness. So, okay, that was actually a lot easier to tie together than I thought. Um, Where did we come in? Right. We're not the worst thing we've done. I mean, it's very, especially in this day and age, it is very tempting to define people by their actions, especially if it's, you know, an action that we, especially if there's someone that we don't like in the first place, and especially if it's an action that you can very easily point, you know, uh, particularly, shall we say, audacious or colorful action that's, you know, very easy to point to and be just like, well, I mean, come on, look at this guy, look what he did. Clearly he's horrible. Well, no. I mean, he may have done a horrible thing. But it doesn't necessarily follow that he is intrinsically horrible. And it doesn't necessarily follow that that misdeed or that wrongdoing necessarily must now define this person for the rest of his life, or even for any length of time. I mean, it's once okay if it's a legal matter. and, you know, there's going to be prison time involved. Well, then he's going to be, you know, imprisoned on that charge. But even in that case. The action doesn't necessarily need to define him at the level of character. It'll be on his record. You know, if he tries to apply for a job, it's going to come up. But doesn't sit doesn't necessarily need to be part of his character. Just like any wrongdoing that we each undertake doesn't necessarily need to define us who we are at the level of our character. It can if it's something that we're unwilling to let go of or something that we even for ourselves celebrate, but it doesn't have to be that if we don't want it to. We can be different. We can be something other than what we've done. But it does take effort. And a lot of that comes down to having the courage to act in a way that, you know, comports with the truth. Having the courage to act upon what is true. Having the courage to seek out the opportunity to be reconciled to others if we're we're believers to also be reconciled to God and then from that accepting the opportunity to be transformed and that's the other theme that comes up a lot during Lent in in Christian teaching is this idea of transformation transformation you know, we start with Ash Wednesday and that whole act of putting ashes on our foreheads reminds us, you know, remember that you are dust and unto dust you shall return. That is, that is one of the sort of the key images that attends Ash Wednesday. But then as we move through Lent, move towards Easter, something else comes along. We start to realize that, you know, hey, I mean, we are, (laughs) we are dust in one sense, and unto dust we shall in one sense return. But that isn't the whole story. You know, yes, our bodies die and decay. That happens. But there's more to it than that. And that other aspect of us is being, or can be, constantly transformed and eventually perfected. And a big part of how is the ability to just admit our own faults to have the courage to be truthful about our failings. And so I suppose that's not a bad lead into, you know, actually getting into the virtue of honor. Because that is a big part of it, you know. It's honorable to be able to admit fault when one is at fault, to admit wrongdoing when one has committed it, to admit to having given harm when one has genuinely given harm. And out of that admission and out of the desire to make right the harm that's been done, truly great things can flow. If, if, we desire it and if we let it well thank you for listening this uh, that was actually surprisingly a lot better than I thought it was going to do uh, in terms of you know I'm happy with the reflection I am um, because I really did want to actually start getting into, over the next few weeks, unpacking the idea of honor and some of the weird permutations of honor that, you know, show up in, in other media, um, in, you know, in philosophy. Might even have to have an episode about Klingons, for all I know, but... Uh, Still, you know, it was important to, we we started in a particular place and I wanted to make sure that, you know, somehow we did actually manage to connect back to the virtue of honor and that proved to be a much easier connection to make than I expected when I punched record. So thank you. Thank you for listening once again. And until next time, be virtuous.